Welcome back to another episode of Peter's Proffer here in the courtroom of current events. And today we're going to be talking about Homeland Security. We're going to talk about what it is, when it was formed, and what the purpose of it is. Because right now in the news, Homeland Security is all over the place because they're considering stepping in um, on some of the states that are not necessarily in line with the federal government right now. So we'll talk about what their powers are and what the fallout of those decisions may be. But first, I wanted to take a quick minute and reintroduce myself and our firm. We have a lot of new listeners lately. We just recently started a YouTube channel titled The Lawyer You Know, where we answer a lot of questions people have um, asked over the years and still text in and comment on our social media because we feel like people need a resource to get quick questions answered. Um, And if they need to get connected with a lawyer, we're happy to do it and happy to help, whether it's something we handle or one of our friends or colleagues handle in the area. So my name is Peter Tragos. I am an attorney in Clearwater, Florida. I've been practicing a little over seven years. I practice primarily plaintiff's personal injury work. That means people injured in car accidents, slip and falls, other cases where they are hurt at no fault of their own. We represent the victims. I love fighting for victims. I love getting them fair compensation, maximizing their cases. Um, We fight against big insurance companies every day. We fight for the little guy. That is one of the most fun parts about my job. It's like a sport, people say, where you get into the ring, you fight, you may be the underdog, but we love coming out ahead. So that's what I practice primarily. And then I work with my dad and our partner, Peter Sardis. My dad's name is George Tragos. He's been an attorney in the community for over 40 years. He is a former chief assistant U.S. attorney. And he was an assistant state attorney way back in the day with Bernie McCabe, who's actually the sitting state attorney. So that's how long them two have been around. Um, And he practiced primarily criminal defense. So he's been doing that forever. He knows what it's like on the prosecutor's side at both the state and federal level. And now he's been on the other side of the aisle for 35 plus years representing people accused of crimes. He's been in the community forever Um, His parents bought one of the first houses on the island near Clearwater Beach, and he still lives down on the island now. He is a pillar in the community. Everybody knows him. Everybody loves him. He's known as kind of a bulldog litigator. I mean, the the U.S. attorney back in the day was Merkel. His uh, uh, nickname was Mad Dog Merkel. My dad was his chief assistant back in the 70s. So that's my dad, George Tragos. And then we have Pete Sardis, our other partner who came uh, to Florida during law school, graduated from Stetson. My dad and I went to Florida State for undergrad and law school. So we're a big Knoll firm here. But Pete went to Toledo in Ohio and then Stetson. Wanted to work for my dad because he was known as the preeminent Greek lawyer in town. And Pete is very Greek, if nothing else. Pete has his MBA, um, a lot of business knowledge, and I say he knows a little about everything. So that's what we have him in here for, to answer a lot of the questions that he may have more expertise than the rest of us on. He has practiced criminal defense with my dad for you know 15 years-ish before I got here, and now he does personal injury and criminal defense, and he runs all of our nursing home negligence cases and nursing home abuse cases. So that's our firm. We're here. We're happy to help and answer questions that anybody has. This podcast is just to jump in on some current events and legal topics, answer questions we get, and just comment on what's going on in the world from a lawyer's perspective. And we like to break things down for lay people who aren't lawyers to make some of these difficult topics easier for them to understand. We call it Peter's Proffer because a proffer is an offer of proof at trial where you explain to the judge what you think is going to come out and the judge tells you whether or not you could say it in front of a jury. So today we are proffering 
what's going on in the world for all of our listeners. So hopefully you guys enjoy the podcast. If you'd like to subscribe, that'd be awesome. If you want to jump over to our YouTube page, The Lawyer You Know, you can subscribe there just to follow all the content we're putting out there. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the show. All right, so let's jump into Homeland Security, Dad, and why don't you start out by telling us when it was formed and why it was formed? Well, the Department of Homeland Security is also known as HSA, and it was formed because after 2000, September 11th, 2001, when we had the, the tragedy in New York, they decided, hey, you know, what's going on? Why didn't we know about this? And when they did an investigation, they found out that there were over 100 agencies in the U.S. government that dealt with security inside the United States. And they said, look, we've got to do something about it. We've got to coordinate it. We've got to get this a, a, like a, a better unified approach. So in 2003, after passing legislation uh, introduced by Arlen Specter, uh, Senator Specter, they formed the Department of Homeland Security in order to try to put a lot of agencies in one place to protect the homeland. And is it the newest, what, what would it be considered? Cabinet. A cabinet? It's the newest cabinet post, and it's the third largest okay. cabinet post. Uh, most every country has something like this. Uh, the Home Secretary in England, we hear, we've heard about if you read the news, the Home Secretary does the same thing. It protects what's going on inside the country. It's really like a counterpart to the Department of Defense. So whatever DOD does militarily outside the United States, Homeland Security handles all the agencies that manage that stuff in the United States. Okay, so the, the problem that it solved basically is there were way too many subgroups that were trying to accomplish one goal. They brought them all together and made one big group. Right. There are thir certain exceptions to that. Um, they brought them in from a lot of agencies, and we'll talk more about that. Well, let's but talk about FBI, how it was actually formed. Okay. When they did the legislation and they went around to the different agencies and said, okay, should this agency be in it? Yes. Should this agency be in it? Yes. But some agencies were independently powerful and wanted to stay separate and autonomous. For instance, the FBI. The FBI and the CIA are prime examples. When I was with the Department of Justice, the FBI always wanted to be independent. Uh, if they were, if were a joint investigation with FBI and DEA and Secret Service, the FBI always had to be the lead agency. FBI agents were never allowed to share office space with any other agency. So, you know, they're the, the prima donnas of investigation in the uh, United States and their government. their building is quite nice in Tampa and as well. And, you know, they're building another one in Washington. They heard the big argument. No. They're tearing down the existing one, which is a beautiful building. I can building. only imagine what and the Herbert building, Hoover building, right? Yeah, the Herbert Hoover building. And they're building another palace where it's located. It's turned out to be an, uh, an argument in Congress about whether it's going to be in the District of Columbia or outside the District of Columbia like the Pentagon is. Well, it's crazy how they use it's like the entire humongous floor is made out of one piece of rare stone i mean the way that they make these fbi buildings is is crazy it's like when they built the greek church beat it's like everything's <laughs> dripping with gold you know when they make these fbi buildings it's crazy to think about how much money went into a building that a federal agency works out of but you know again in defense of the fbi the building has to be constructed in such a way so that our enemies cannot penetrate sure, it, it. I mean, and I so that they can't record I don't, record think, the, I don't think the niceness or, of the floor really has that yeah, big of it. Yeah. Actually, right. it's, it's probably a lot cheaper than the security. All right, so I interrupted you, so keep going. So the FBI and CIA wanted to stay separate. Right, and, and they, were, they were successful. They kept themselves out of Homeland Security. 
But then Homeland Security went into different agencies like the Department of Energy, the United States Department of Agriculture, uh, Commerce, Treasury, and they started pulling, even, they even pulled some of the FBI sections out. And they pulled it all into this one agency and they uh, divided it up so it would be well organized. Theoretically well organized. Well, how did they pick which ag- agencies they were going to, to kind of group in together? Well, they started with um, who is responsible for security within the United States. For instance, who is responsible for protecting our borders? And they went around the agencies that shared that. Who is responsible for making sure our nuclear plants don't explode or our chemical waste doesn't spill out uh, in a terrorist attack? And they found out who talks about biological and nuclear warfare and who protects our nuclear agencies. Information analysis. Who is responsible for making sure we don't get hacked and making sure that the outside agencies don't come in and steal uh, secrets from the Department of Defense? And they gathered them all together and they made those decisions and then they had the authority that was given to them by the president to pull those sub-agencies out and put them into one single agency and divide them up. So let's talk about some of the best known agencies that are part of Homeland Security. Well, uh, the Transportation Security Administration, TSA. Um, Coast Guard, people are probably surprised to learn, Coast Guard used to be a, a part of the Treasury Department and they pulled the Coast Guard out. The Secret Service that protects the president, they pulled that out of Treasury and put that in there. FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Association, they put that in there. Customs, who protects our borders and things that, you know, entry, they put that in there. Immigrations and visa, those are the best known agencies, but you can see how wide ranging this is and what a mess it was before that all these agencies reported to different people and one person didn't have authority over all of them. So, so it's, a, it's obviously a huge department. How big is it actually? Well, it's, like I said, the third largest department in, right now in the government after Veterans Affairs and the Department of Defense. It has 169,000 employees and a budget of $37 billion. So it is big. It is wide-ranging. Um, and the, the largest single agency within that is Border and Transportation Security, which the TSA is part of. So what, what is the difference, I guess, and I think we may have mentioned this, but what is the difference between Homeland Security and some of the other big ones that we have, like the FBI, the CIA, the Department of Defense? How do they differentiate what each one of those agencies or departments do? You know, Homeland Security really was designed to be the one central point for all things security of our homeland. That's why they call it Homeland Security. Everything that protects the United States. So if you think about it... it's within our walls, basically. Think about it. Like the Coast Guard. That is the agency that patrols the waters around the United States. The, you know, uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. They're the ones that regulate things coming into our country, whether it's people or goods. Um... You know, how, and what other agencies, George? Secret Service. Secret Service. They protect the president within the United States. Frankly, I think they protect the president everywhere they in the world. They protect the president and most cabinet members. And people don't realize this. They also are the ones responsible for forgeries and mm-hmm. uh, people that steal from government agencies. Right. Okay, so how does that, how do you differentiate? Like whether the FBI handles something or Homeland Security or DOD? Well, that's actually one of the problems is that they have these overlapping responsibilities. CIA wasn't telling the FBI certain intelligence issues. The FBI wasn't telling the CIA. And then you find out that border. Let me just give you an example. Coast Guard stops a ship uh, coming into the United States. 
they find that there's these people on the ship and they think they're illegal immigrants. Well, Coast Guard then has to contact the Immigration Service to come out there and find out who these people are and whether they're legal or not. And then they look at the cargo and they say, ah, oh, this cargo looks suspicious. So then they've got to call Customs. Don't they have to do that still the... now anyways? Yes, except it's one agency. They in other words, if Coast Guard says we need Customs, before Customs could say, we'll see you later. <laughs> Today, Customs can't say that. Because Coast Guard, so they basically the just agency. have to work work well together. And now they they're the, just and forced they have the to... same boss. Okay, so the same director. Right, the same okay. director. But even going further than that, so Customs has to come out. But if they find plant material or fruit on the ship, then they've got to call the Department of Agriculture. Mm -hmm. That's the way things used to be. Now there is one boss. All those agencies responsible for that are under one agency, Homeland Security. So they can't pass the buck or delay in doing their work. And all the information is coordinated so that everybody knows what everybody else knows. And I, I know that, that example, but you know, go even further in that we've got uh, cyber attacks coming in. Well, now everybody shares that cyber information because it's coming in and, and it's headquartered within Homeland Security. So Homeland Security was created to solve this problem of too many agencies overlapping and too much, too much red tape, basically, when a department was called to deal with something in the country that, that dealt with multiple departments, kind of like we just described. So what is the consensus? Is it successful? It's only, you know, 17 years old, which is pretty young. And, and when we talk about a, a cabinet department or whatever you called it, dad. So, so is it successful? Do they think it's been worth the money? Do they think it's been worth all the resources that we've poured into it? Well, it depends on who you ask. Um, there have been a lot of criticisms uh, against the Department of Homeland Security for waste, inefficiencies, um, just ineffectiveness in the actual mission by some of the subparts of the agency. There is a, um, I guess they do a survey of government employees every so often, and a, uh, Homeland Security always recently has rated towards the bottom of people that work for the agency are just not happy working for the agency. And, and I'm not sure if it's a matter of it's new. And listen, we're talking about a agency with 160, 170,000 people that work for it that used to be all interagency, different agencies coming together. So I think there's a lot of growing pains. It doesn't happen overnight. It, it can take a decade or two decades easily to get this thing to work right. And understand the largest portion is the TSA, those employees. And I think that there's a lot of disgruntled employees in the TSA. Plus, the unions are not happy because when they opened, when they started this, they made it so that the unions, these people can't be unionized. So the unions are also a little unhappy with the way it was organized. And the reason we're kind of doing this podcast now um, is because the Homeland Security has been in the news uh, because they've talked about potentially going into Portland or Kenosha or Minnesota why are they involved in these situations? How does Homeland Security get involved? Isn't this a state issue? What powers do they have? How does this stuff happen? Well, they were designed to protect the country internally. And if you look at these uh, riots or protests or however you want to categorize them, a lot of people, including the president, believe that there is some other involvement here president uh, called it domestic terrorism. And so in order to protect the country, the president views Homeland Security as that agency to do that. So they volunteer to go into these locations and to help them. Now, what they do, because you realize too, the money that these police agencies get comes through Homeland Security. They're the ones that hold that hand out the money, the millions of dollars these police agencies get 
in order to help them with body cams or whatever it is they buy with federal grants, that comes through Homeland Security. But how does that affect the 10th Amendment, which basically states that all rights not held by the, the United States federal government, the states are autonomous and they have those powers. Wouldn't this fall under the state powers and under the 10th Amendment? I think that the argument there is if the states cannot protect the citizens, the government has the, the right to come in and protect the citizens of the United States. Plus, I think they're yeah. arguing that because of the federal grants like you're talking about, they can say, well, then if they're not allowed to come in and handle when they think, then maybe the federal government shouldn't give grants to the police officers. Or what about immigration? These these uh, cities that say they're sanctuary cities. Uh, apparently, a bunch of immigration officers arrested a bunch of illegal aliens just recently, like 60 or 70 of them, put them in the, the county jail, and the county jail immediately turned around and released them all. So, you know, we've got a conflict. So how does how does how do these things get determined? Who is the one that has the power? Who is the one that should come in? Should it be Homeland Security? Should it be left to the states, whether it's immigration, whether it's the riots now, whatever they're calling it? How does this stuff get determined? And what court and what procedure determines who has the power? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's so simple, yet so complicated. You know, the Constitution does break down who's responsible for what, but there's, you know, a lot of gray area. And, you know, everybody that knows us knows that we lawyers live in gray area. And the reality is, I think a lot of this becomes political. Uh, and the political question becomes, can I send in you know, the federal troops, meaning the Department of Homeland Security, to do a specific function that normally would be reserved for state police or local law enforcement? And the answer is no. State police and local law enforcement are supposed to do that unless, of course, they ask for help. But I can see the other side of the argument, which is, Portland's been burning for two weeks now, three weeks now, whatever it's more, been. Way more than that. Okay, whatever it's well, been. Well, yeah, it's but, been the, but the states would say... We have the right to handle our state how we want to handle it in this manner. Obviously, if it, if it deals with federal issues, then fine. But as it goes right now, they're saying this is a state issue. Let us handle it as the states. And that's what the Portland mayor says. Right. And the governor of Oregon made this big order for other agencies, local agencies, to come in and help. And two of the sheriffs refused to go into Portland saying, no, we're not sending our deputies in there. Because you can't promise their safety. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. I think, you know, ideally, I mean... Let's face it. The, the framers of the Constitution, they wrote it, never anticipated this. And well, I, I, don't I don't know. Think, I don't. I don't necessarily oh. know if that's well. Well, here's what I would say. I, the answer to my question, in my opinion, is this: this is something that the state files a lawsuit or an injunction trying to stop the federal government from coming in. This is something that gets up to the Supreme Court quicker than a normal case, and the Supreme Court's got to take a look at and analyze the Tenth Amendment to see what, or the Constitution as a whole to see whether this is something that falls under the state's powers or the federal government's powers. That That's usually how I would think this would be determined because the, the United States Supreme Court, when it's something so big and in your face and in the news and prevalent and political, they're going to be the ones that make wow. this ultimate decision if a, a lawsuit would be filed. And, and I think there are several lawsuits sitting out there already, but let's face it, the Supreme Court doesn't move like a rocket ship. That's for sure. And so it may be a while before you have a decision. You know, look back, and I hate to look back this far, but look at the Civil War. Uh, you know, Lincoln didn't wait around for uh, us to have, you know, court decisions that said he could go in and reunite the rest of the country. He just sent troops into states that, again, claimed they were independent and therefore they could cede from the Union. Lincoln disagreed with it, and mm -hmm. we have a Civil War. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's unprecedented times 
is where things happen that we don't know how to handle them and what the procedure will actually be. What is going to happen probably is it's going to be great because depending on what happens, if Department of Homeland Security does go into some of these cities uninvited and, and frankly with without the approval of their, their state governments, Whatever happens is going to happen, and then we'll get an opinion like six months down the road that says, okay, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, it was okay to do it because of this or that. Yeah, right? yeah. The the cause and effect argument, yeah, basically. There are plenty of times, and we were talking about this the other day, Abraham Lincoln suspended habeas corpus during the Civil War. And yeah, there wasn't any habeas corpus during the Civil War. After the war is over, the Supreme Court said, uh, it was unconstitutional for you to suspend habeas right, corpus. Right, but it happened. The war was over. Exactly. It's like, shoot first and ask <laughs> yeah, questions right, later. right. All right, so that's what we think about Homeland Security, what we think will happen if they do overstep their authority. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you learned something, and we'll be back with you next time.